today on CityCast Salt Lake. Because we vote by mail in Utah, our 2022 midterm election is already well underway. And according to Salt Lake County Deputy Clerk Lanny Chapman, turnout is low. This year, Lanny says she will feel good if we hit 60%. But in 2018, Salt Lake County's midterm election turnout was 82%. And that's because of the three initiatives on the ballot that year, which brought a lot of people out who wouldn't necessarily have voted. Medical marijuana, redistricting, and Medicaid expansion. No ballot initiatives this year, though. And why the heck not? I asked Katie Matheson, a political strategist who spent a lot of years on Capitol Hill. And later, Katie, lead producer Emily Means, and I all pitch our dream ballot initiatives to each other. You know, if we had a blank check. Today's Monday, November 7th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Katie Matheson, it's good to talk politics with you again. It's fun to be here. Thanks for asking me. So you help support the essentially the roster of 2018 ballot initiatives. Can you tell me a bit about what it's like to work on a ballot initiative? What's so exciting about them? So I wasn't working for any of the official campaigns, but I was working as a passionate volunteer for <laughs> all of them. So in practice, what it is, is it's an exercise in um, optimism and an mm. exercise in hard work. And an exercise in um, coming together with people who, you know, maybe on paper have different uh, political background than you do, but you are all coming together for one issue. And in some ways, it's incredibly uh, nice. And in practice, what that looks like is you're the person who's showing up at a party with three <laughs> three files of uh, t- things that you want people to sign. And you're getting <laughs> up on chairs and saying, hey, everybody, sign these initiatives. And then you're getting told to sit down after you've done it like three times. Definitely takes up a lot of time. But it was, um, I would say, overall, an exercise in optimism. Yeah. I mean, when you think about what can be like fun and energizing about legislation. <laughs> like that's the good stuff, right? It's like it's it's Beto O'Rourke jumping on a table. It's like the the Norman Rockwell of it all, like the town hall style rallying people around an issue as opposed to an individual, which I feel like is also kind of liberating because like tethering a movement to a person can just be tough. It's so exhausting tethering a movement to a person. So to be able to like work with um, people on the issue, for example, of um, Medicaid expansion, which was one of the ballot initiatives in 2018, that was really um, freeing. And sure, we had folks who said, you know, it's not far enough. We need to go all the way to completely public healthcare. And I'm like, all right, well, if you want to get there, this is a step to get there. You're not going to get there overnight. So yeah, it's incredibly freeing. um, And it's empowering too, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess the question is, why aren't there any statewide ballot initiatives on my ballot this year? I cannot give you a specific answer. I can guess. Um, I mean, first, it's important to note that there is a constitutional amendment on there, which is not the same thing as a ballot initiative. um, But that is on the ballot this year. It could be that um, there are no issues that people who would fund a ballot initiative feel would pass Mm. and feel it would be worth um, 
worth spending the money on. It could be that people are really burned out from 2018, what happened in the wake of the ballot initiatives passing and the legislature um, watering down, adjusting, fighting, or basically completely ignoring the ballot initiatives. Or it could be that people are waiting and or they're distracted by other things that are happening in national politics and local politics. So it could be any combination of the above. Yeah. Let's talk about the legislature's track record with ballot initiatives. Why do they hate them so much? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I really do have a theory that the legislature is in the business of kind of collecting power for itself. And a ballot initiative done by the people, um, which is a constitutional right in our state constitution, takes that power away from them. Um, And so I think that's probably a part of it for some lawmakers. I think for other lawmakers, they genuinely believe it's a messy process. And I don't know that they're wrong. But um, I think that they would prefer to do it themselves, to do it in a way that they view as right, you know, quote unquote, right the first time. But, But that's kind of my theory around why the legislature doesn't like them so much. Yeah, because I mean, a ballot initiative is kind of like a shortcut in representative democracy. Like it gives people direct power to write legislation or to be involved in like the process of creating a law in a way that is like much less removed than I'm going to rely on my state senator to, you know, push forward this bill or this idea that's important to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I don't view and I don't think most people in Utah view a ballot initiative as like the first option. It's kind of like the last option. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, um, Medicaid expansion became a thing, um, I think, in around 2014. And since 2014, Utahns far and away wanted Medicaid expansion to come to Utah. And lawmakers didn't listen because lawmakers personally didn't want it or lawmakers who had the ability to hold such a thing back didn't want it. And therefore, they were able to keep it from happening. So doing a ballot initiative is a last resort for the people of Utah when lawmakers aren't listening. I mean, you could view it as a check and balance, right? Which ostensibly any lawmaker, but particularly a conservative lawmaker, which we have a supermajority of, should like. In particular, how has the Utah legislature made it harder to get an initiative on the ballot? Well, the challenging thing about something semantic like democracy laws or getting things on a ballot initiative type laws is that each one individually seems really boring or like a change in bureaucratic process. And so it doesn't seem important, but all of them together, what we understand from both local and national conversations around ballot initiatives is that usually they kind of group them together and together it's a death by a thousand paper cuts type of a situation for ballot (laughs) initiatives. So, you know, the legislature has passed a number of pieces of legislation in the past couple of years, particularly post 2018, Um, that have done things like delay implementation of ballot initiatives. You can't uh, pay your signature gatherers by signature anymore. You have to do it by the hour. Um, They've also increased requirements for the paid signature gatherers themselves. So any one of those things together, it's like, oh, who cares? They've moved a date, right? But in combination, all of these things make it harder for a process that is already incredibly hard. So I don't know how much longer the legislature can do this before the process is effectively impossible. Yeah. Just like adding red tape over red tape over red tape over red tape until suddenly you're like, I can't get out. Exactly. And you know what? (laughs) This is being done largely by people who know and like to complain about uh, government bureaucracy and they know how difficult it can make things. And so they weaponize Mm -hmm. it sometimes to kill things that they don't like. 
one of the reasons, I mean, I think that they're a last resort is they're so damn expensive, right? Like, why are they so expensive? They're expensive because it's by design. There's They're hard to get on the ballot and that's on purpose. And I don't think that that's a bad idea. Hmm. Um, there is a signature threshold that has to be met. 26 out of the 29 counties, you have to reach a certain threshold of signatures and they have to sign to get on the ballot. And then a majority of voters that November have to vote for the thing. So think about it in terms of collecting um, signatures in a remote or rural uh, county. That takes work. That takes a lot of time going door to door, especially when the doors are super far apart or there's only a few shops in the area where you, people congregate. And so as a result, in order to comply with that large requirement in the short amount of time that you're given to collect those signatures, ballot initiatives don't get on the ballot unless they're paid. And the number that I heard for each of the ballot initiatives in 2018 was around two to three million dollars to get an initiative on the ballot. So it is hard to do. And the reason I say I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea yeah. is because earlier this year, I think it was this year, um, an initiative actually attempted to get on the ballot or people tried to get it on the ballot and it failed miserably because of that threshold. And that was a good thing because they were trying to get rid of mail-in voting. And yeah. mail-in voting is incredibly popular in Utah and also incredibly safe and incredibly successful. Yeah, Utah's really proud of its mail-in voting. I mean, our current governor, Governor Cox, this is something that he brags about a lot, is is how many Utahns vote. So I feel like we've covered all the reasons that people are feeling, I think, a little bit disheartened about the power and success of a ballot initiative. I want to talk about what you think it would take to make a ballot initiative be successful. Three million dollars to start. <laughs> OK, no problem. I'll get out my checkbook. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a ballot initiative, because of the geographic requirements and because we've kind of separated ourselves in the rural, urban, suburban divide, mm. um, it would require an idea or a policy that is widely popular across both um, more conservative and more progressive ideologies. Hmm. And then it would also require, like I said, the funding and uh, you have to have like the, le the, like the legal knowledge and stuff like that. But really what it takes is a good <laughs> marketing campaign, yeah. which, which can be hard. And on some issues, I think they're really susceptible to misinformation or really difficult and strong um, prior emotions around an issue. So like there are some issues that I would love to see on the ballot and that polling indicates a majority of Utahns would pass, but I think they would be bad ballot initiative ideas because I think they're too susceptible to misinformation or counter um, arguments in the public space. But there are plenty of ideas that aren't kind of in that um, highly emotional area that I think would be great ballot initiatives. But um, I, I think it's the quality of the idea um, and it's the people that you have behind it and then the funding you have behind that. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. 
And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Okay, good segue, Katie Matheson, because I want to do a little brainstorming session. And in order to do that, I want to bring in lead producer Emily Means, who is in the wings here, because as people know, and as you know, she was a political reporter for a long, long time. Hello. (laughs) Hi, everyone. My favorite topic. (laughs) I know. We couldn't resist. So I would love for the three of us to just do a little brainstorming session. We can imagine like a theoretical whiteboard on the wall here of our dream ballot initiatives. And maybe Mm. someone listening has $3 million. (laughs) Just laying around. That they want to throw at us. Yeah. And I want to know why you have this idea and why you think it would work. And let's see if we can just come up with a bit of a shortlist as a fun activity to get people thinking about ballot initiatives. Emily Means, do you want to go first? Oh, my God. The pressure is on. Okay, here's my idea. Hit us. This is Shark Tank. Raise the minimum wage. Damn it. Come on. Let me tell you about Utah's minimum wage right now. It is seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way since 2008. Yeah. But we know that everything else is way more expensive than it was in 2008. <laughs> so uh, we got to we got to move the needle on this. And our lawmakers have not shown a willingness to do so. You know, it's basically completely missing from our conversations around affordability in this state. It's something legislators think the market should just handle. You know, restaurants will pay their servers more. Uh, by the way, servers only make two thirteen an hour because they're tipped employees. Yep. So I think that's something that people need to take into their own hands. Well, you're a communications professional, Katie. Do you think this would be easy to market statewide? Depends on who comes out against it. I can imagine a couple big money folks coming out pretty hard against it. But the last I looked at a poll about raising the minimum wage, um, it looked like it was pretty popular across the state. Mm. So I don't think it's a bad idea, although I don't know that we could get to $15 an hour, which is kind of the national number that's thrown around. Um, and there was there was some legislation actually about this. I think two different bills recently about but it. But they were sponsored by Democrats. <laughs> they were sponsored by Democrats, which is true, which is a recipe for failure in the legislature <laughs> often, unfortunately. Um, one of them died a spectacular death in committee. And one made it a little bit further through because it was responsive to um, rural versus urban areas. Mm-hmm. So if the ballot initiative took into account a rural versus urban cost of living, stuff like that, it might be much more um, 
passable. Okay. So you're saying it could happen. <laughs> There's a possibility. <laughs> Just get $3 million and then Perfect. you're good. Gail Miller, call us. But I do think you bring up a good point, Katie, too, which is like with so many of these ideas, it's like, oh, are we going to get stuck in that place where it's like you can't please? I would call it the Joe Biden zone where it's like you can't please everyone. So you're going to kind of displease a lot of people at once, which is like if we go to like 11, it's like, well, how much is that going to actually change the lives of people who are making minimum wage? But it's also better. Right. So like. Is some of ballot initiative work about getting people to come to a place of it's not the best, but it's enough? Yeah, I think it certainly is. And I think that you could make the case that that's what happened with Medicaid expansion Hmm. and um, medical cannabis in 2018. There are a lot of folks who are really unhappy with where we landed on medical cannabis. But in 2017, we couldn't have dreamed that medical cannabis would have been legal in Utah. So I think that there's a precedent for that. And, you know, you have all this, you know, oh, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate it as we're passing it. And then <laughs> two years in the, into the future, we look back and we go, oh, hey, that's so awesome that we passed it. I'm so glad that we made that step. Okay. All right. I'm going to go next. And then, Katie, I'm going to let you take us home because you're the guest of honor. So when I think about ballot initiatives, I think about them from a lens of like who's not voting, but like should be. And for me personally, I'm like, who would I like to be voting (laughs) the way that I'm interested in um, in voting? And so mine is wine in grocery stores. Something we can all agree on. Something we can all agree on. Right. Let's get wine in grocery stores. Why not? We have beer in grocery stores. If I could swing by the grocery store and grab a bottle of wine, I do feel like maybe this will change if we have the Olympics. We'll see. Some people have told me it might. But that would be mine because I'm like, how do we get people to turn out that might not fill out their ballot? But if you like prompted them with the opportunity to buy a bottle of wine at the Harmons of City Creek, would they do it? I think maybe. I think that you're absolutely right. And we joke, but... I remember distinctly having conversations with folks after 2018 and saying, all right, so now all we need to do is put a ballot initiative on the ballot every two years that furthers either cannabis or liquor laws in Utah Um. to just get folks to turn out and then tell them about down ballot voting. (laughs) You came for the wine, but now you're going to vote for the clerk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Come for the wine, stay for the clerk. Notably, Allie, you didn't say wine and liquor in grocery stores. And I think that's no. you trying to find that middle ground. You also didn't say, let's overturn the state uh, liquor system altogether <laughs> and <laughs> get a Lee's discount liquor up in here. Yeah. So it's a baby steps approach. Yeah. Let's let's fire the DABC and make Ben Winslow our liquor czar. <laughs> I am 100% behind that. And that might be the most bipartisan thing I have heard today so far. Who doesn't love Ben Winslow? I hope he's listening. Surely he is. Honestly. (laughs) All right. What's on your list, Katie? I'm dying to know. I'm cracking my knuckles here. Okay. Well, the little story behind this, I was thinking about this, like, what ballot initiatives would I ever want to have passed? And of course, like the usuals are always like, 
um, privatize liquor sales and mm. get recreational cannabis. Um, and when I asked my husband, he was just like listed those two. So those are a given. But one that I think would be really valuable for people is paid parental leave. <gasps> Particular, I would love to have it for a year. Mm. I would be happy with six months, you know, um, mm -hmm. and then kind of supplemental to that would be full day kindergarten options and um, public daycare options. Okay, you're thinking families. You're thinking the Utah way. I'm thinking families. And the reason why is we have the worst pay gap in, I think, this, the country. Um, we have article after article after article about how women and mothers and families are struggling and how um, they're not being paid equitably. The articles aren't cutting it. And we're kind of, I'm not sure that uh, the issue is being um, addressed in a way that needs to be addressed on Capitol Hill, even though the people on the Hill, um, and this isn't all of them, this is ma a massive generalization, but I think a lot of folks like to see themselves as um, pro-woman, pro-mom, pro-families, um, except when it comes down to actually putting their money and their time and their political career on the line for this issue. So I would love to see some paid parental leave, especially in light of things like, you know, Utah has a trouble with mental health and mental health can be a real issue, particularly for new moms. I think that's something a lot of people would turn out for. Yeah. I mean, we totally. have a lot of young families here. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that's my um, big dream one. And, uh, you know, I'd love one. These are the ones that would never pass because even though polling indicates they should pass, I think that they're too susceptible to counter um, like misinformation, disinformation or counter messaging. And it would be a red flag law and mm. a right to an abortion. So mm -hmm. those will never go anywhere. But like last I looked, 80 percent of Utah supported a red flag law, which basically says um, if a judge signs a paper that says you are a threat to yourself or others, you can have your weapons removed for you, from you for a certain amount of time. And we do know that Utah has an abnormally high um, rate of domestic violence. Gosh, it's like Emily and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's like hard to believe that if a pro-abortion initiative was on the ballot, this this particular Utah legislature wouldn't just gut ballot initiatives altogether. <laughs> exactly. Well, y'all, if we see any of these starting to uh, take root in the next few years ahead of our next election cycle, I feel like we should we'll take credit, credit for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> tag, tag CityCast in your, in your marketing campaign, okay? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we need to be on named on every yard sign across the state. It's only fair. I heard it on CityCast, yeah. <laughs> Katie Matheson, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Emily Means, thanks for popping in. This was a delight. Thanks for having me. Thanks for dreaming with us. This year, voter turnout is not just bleak in Salt Lake County. It's everywhere. Except the rural Utah counties. Some of them are crushing it. A weak turnout means that your vote is all the more impactful because this is a numbers game, folks. So if you haven't returned your ballot yet, put that sucker in a Dropbox. And if you still haven't voted or aren't even registered to vote yet, it's not too late. You can register and vote on Election Day in Utah. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. I am hyping you up to get Civic today because tomorrow... We're not going for hype. We're actually going to go a different direction. 
I uh, booked us all 20 minutes of talk therapy with a licensed practitioner. That's right. I don't know about you, but my stress around this election is through the roof. So I will meet you back here tomorrow for an election day therapy session. Bye for now. We also love fast talking on this podcast because we're like, we have 20 minutes, Katie. And you're like, no problem. Here I go. I'm your girl. I'll get it out. <laughs>